Timmy, busy Timmy, such a happy, clever boy. He does so many things that bring apparent joy. He puts his coat and hat on and gets his old tin pail, runs out towards his sandbox, then trips. It does not fail. He spies the sparrow in a tree, a robin dig for worms, and though he chases them away, he never does them harm. Timmy climbs into his sandbox where he digs and makes a hole. In go the toys he covers up, bless his little soul. He sees a truck go down the street and jumps, jumps up and down in glee. It's when it pass, it's past and out of sight that he beckons me to see. He rides his bike around the lawn. Timmy, what's that I just said? Never mind, he's done it now. Backed into the flower bed. He can get ready for his bath. He needs no help from me. While he sails his plastic boat in a sudsy bathtub sea. And at supper time, you can bet he eats his share and more, then brushes his teeth so long and hard, his gums are red and sore. He neatly puts his toys away and opens doors all by himself. Timmy's an adorable two-year-old, but a mischievous little elf. All right, and th this is the second one. Um, bear with me. <clears throat> How rapidly life passes by, the chance to talk, to dream, and share. Now sorrow, like a massive weight, seems extreme, too much to bear. Your tender heart, so broken now, is burdened beyond what you can stand. I'd like to comfort, ease your pain, to hold and calm your trembling hands. I'll walk with you, and you'll remember me. We've seen the ocean, you and I. We gathered seashells on the shore. Beheld towering mountains all ablaze with flaming colors tall trees wore. The glowing sun on ripened land, warm breezes flow through fields of wheat. But the most genuine of loves we've shared is our friendship so unique. I'll walk with you and you'll remember me. Today we Together we've possessed so much of all life's vitality that when you pass those ways again, I know your thoughts will turn to me. Though your heart may anguish some and fluid sadness falls like rain, savor the warmth of my present love for I'll be there to ease your pain. I'll walk with you and you'll remember me. We've walked through fragrant gardens plush with blossoms colored bright and gold, but you always stopped in awe and sniffed that awful smelling marigold. Oh, look, you said when we stood beside the gardens where petunias grew, among snapdragons in bright flower beds and vast displays of roses too. I'll walk with you and you'll remember me. Don't mourn that my eyes have closed in death, for I'm in a glorious place. Each day I walk on streets of gold, each day I see my Savior's face. We celebrate and worship him 
and rejoice in his truth and love. One day you will know my happiness when we join in this, in this home above. One day you will join me in this marvelous home above. Till then, I'll walk with you and you'll remember me. So I just wanted to share um, some things with my dad. Um, I think we're real lucky to have my dad. And, um, you know, growing up, dad always found time to spend with us kids. And uh, whether it was watching cartoons or on a Saturday morning and, uh, or going fishing. When he went fishing, he used to love to wake us up at 3, 4 in the morning and go out real early. He, uh, he said that way we could have the whole morning to fish. Um, Um, even when he was, didn't have time for us, whether he was working on someone's car to make some extra money or whether he was working at work on a Saturday, he'd even take us to work with him or have us help him with the cars to make it fun because he wanted to spend that time with us. Um, hold on. Some of, the, some of the best memories I had of my dad and my mom were going fishing and going camping, doing a lot of camping. And uh, I think that gave us a lot of our love for the outdoors. We spend most of the summer camping or even the whole month of October camping, a lot of years. And even with creation, it gave us a love between serving the church and serving creation. gave us a, a, a lot of love for serving people and for volunteering. Um, the one memory I wanted to share was, uh, and it's my, actually my, the funniest memory I have of my dad. I was 17, and I was driving to school, and I had a car accident. Um, so I was all freaked out because I thought my, my parents were going to be furious. Police came, and... My dad came out to the accident, and he looks at the accident, he looks at me, and he actually hit me in the back of the head right in front of the officer. <laughs> and then he told me why. He told me because I hit the back of a Camaro. <laughs> if anybody knows my dad, that, you understand that story. But... Uh, and the police officer literally fell down laughing. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't mad about the accident. He was mad about the Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, we're going to miss you. My dad taught me many things, and I want to share a few of them with you. Live long and prosper, Star Trek. May the hair on your toes never fall out, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> We're all stories in the end, just make it a good one, Doctor Who. To defeat the darkness out there, you must defeat the darkness in yourself, Narnia. It matters not what someone is born, but what they grow up to be, Dumbledore from Harry Potter. May the force be with you, Star Wars. 
But the most important thing my dad taught me is the love of a father. See, the greatest thing my dad could do for me or anyone is not to just love them, but to share the ultimate love, which is the love of God. Psalm 103.8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. When I was 17 years old, I lied to my, both my parents pretty bad, and I felt horrible about it. I couldn't sleep. The guilt was terrible. It ate at me. I woke up my dad at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I confessed to him. My dad did not yell at me. Instead, he hugged me and cried with me, and he instantly forgave me. Out of all the memories with my dad, this one comes to the forefront of my mind. Because my dad reflected who God is, a loving, forgiving father who could, you could go to at 3 a.m. in the morning without fear. I know my dad's greatest wish is for all his friends and family to know who Jesus is and to have a deep relationship with the father. And anyone who knew my dad knew that he lived a life in fellowship with the father and, loved, and shared his love with anyone he could. So I stood there with my anointing oil on my finger and ready to make the sign of the cross on Tim's forehead and I realized, oh boy, this could be the last time that I get to do this. I had my lines rehearsed, but I couldn't get them out, so I prayed them inside. I spoke them over him in my in, inside, soul to soul with my hand on his chest. And this is what I, what I said to him. May you be welcomed home to Abraham's bosom, carried by the holy angels with rejoicing, for you were God's friend. God's friend. I often say that Jesus didn't die to take us to heaven. He died to bring us back to the Father in this life now so that by drinking deeply of God's love, we can become changed from the inside out into the sort of creatures for whom heaven will be our native habitat, our native environment. In my own life, I feel like I see a progression of sinner, saint, servant, friend. And I think it's kind of like that for all of us, even though we carry every one of those the whole time. Sinners. It seems like we start as sinners, disconnected from God, proud, independent, sure that we know how it works. Just let me show you. And then if we're really fortunate, we realize the hell on earth that me, in charge of me, entails. And we cry out in our need for Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Saints. And then he hears our prayer, and he rushes in with his peace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his kindness and his love, and he washes us and he makes us brand new and he puts his robe of righteousness on us and we begin a journey. The journey of learning from Jesus how life works best how to walk God's paths. Servants. We humble ourselves and we become servants, saved. We die to what we think and we learn to do it His way instead. We say, not my will but yours be done. And then, friends, 
he picks us up off the ground and says, I no longer call you servants. Servants don't understand what's in my heart, but you do. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But he can't give us the desires of our heart if we don't delight in the Lord. As what we love changes, our habits change, our goals change, we've fallen in love. We've fallen in love. Now we've become the sort of person whose desires can be blessed. So he lifts us up. I, never, I no longer call you servants. John 15, 15. Tim Freed lived many years as God's friend. He took his family to Creation Festival almost every year because he loved the atmosphere of worship and outreach and the encounters with God for people who were far away from God. He loved it. And they became a part of the family, the Creation family. And when money was still so tight that there was really no logical way to get there, they went anyway. Because it was a priority. And you always do what matters most. And they served... Tim served so tirelessly even when sleep was lost and cellulitis was the result and he shouldn't have, but he did. He pushed and pushed. And he likes his cats, friends, his cats. The one cat was always sleeping on his head every time I went over there, licking his head, licking itself, licking his head. I was like, well, I don't know if he's had a bath today, but his head's very clean. He liked Camaros a lot. And he always smoked a cigar whenever he went fishing. Did you know that? A grape cigar. And his favorite foods were egg rolls and Mexican food. Strange pairing. He loved writing. He loved reading. Most of all, he loved Gail. His kids and his grandkids and his friends. He enjoyed king and country. He really loved Toby Mac. Criminally underrated, Tim would say. I don't understand why people don't understand Toby Mac. His songwriting, his integrity. What's, what is, why? People need to understand that Toby Mac is the best. Am I right? I really saw him come alive years ago when we did a Hearing God's Voice class on Friday nights in here. It was life-changing for a lot of us. But Tim's a natural writer, and he just took to it. The idea of sitting with Jesus, listening to the Good Shepherd, and then writing whatever you think you hear, and then checking it with your prayer partner and checking it against the Bible. Does this match the Bible? Katie, is this match? Because you guys were prayer partners. He just took to it. I'm still holding on to the dream God gave him for this church. It was so sweet, so precious, so pure. You know, I've always said that I trust the average regular saint in the pew way more to hear God's voice with clarity than the big name prophets with a microphone and a big platform. And oh, the Lord told me, I'll oh, be quiet. I'm going to listen to these regular saints. They know more than you. <laughs> when Tim and Gail lived in the RV over at Ocean Pines, was it Ocean Pines? Where was that? Tall Pines. Thank you so much. I'll change it in my notes later and pretend I said it correctly. Over at Tall Pines, he would keep telling me, you got to meet these people. You got to meet these people. You got to come pray with these people. You got, Tim, you, I want you to meet these people. And I said, they're your sheep, Pastor Tim. They're yours. God's given you access to their heart. He's connected them with you. You're the pastor over there. 
I kept telling him that and calling him Pastor Tim because that's who I would see. That's what I saw, Pastor Tim. It seems like he actually started to believe that and walk in it. Really, He was walking in it before he believed it. One of the heaviest measures of the Lord's presence that I can remember in recent years was when we laid hands on you and Tim over at Brian and Jen's house in their living room to commission you guys to be you know, lay pastors here. The Lord's presence was so thick. You know, like you're walking through jelly. Just bleh. One final memory as I finish. One night a few weeks back when I should have been asleep, Tim and I were both up on Facebook Messenger chatting away about the history of Christian rock. It's a topic dear to his heart. And he was reminiscing about musical artists that he saw live when they were unknown and he saw them at obscure venues. For example, he saw Carmen when he was just singing along to backing tracks and didn't have a big budget or a huge cinematic production. Do you all know Carmen? Yeah. He saw Petra when they were not yet big and they got kicked off the stage. They, were, they did a couple songs and then some uh, easily offendable curmudgeonly Christians got a hold of leaders and bent their ear and they submitted out of fear of man and said, oh, no, no, there's enough of you guys. Here's your money. Get out of here. After that conversation, I listened to Petra's Beyond Belief album in my car for like a solid week and I thought, it holds up. <laughs> and I still know the words. There's a higher place to go. Anyone know this? Beyond belief, beyond belief. Okay, okay. <laughs> the highest honor that I think any human can have bestowed on them is that they be called, like Abraham was, God's friend. And that's Tim. That's Tim Freed, God's friend. Well done, sir. I'll miss you. And I'll see you soon. Should I pray? And then we're going to go outside. Is that correct? Father, we thank you for the life of our friend Tim, for the faith, for the love, for walking among us as just a humble servant, a regular man who has an extraordinary savior and therefore ended up with an extraordinary life. We ask that our memories of him would not fade anytime soon. Amen.